0: God, thank you that you have given us so much. Thank you for this. Thank you for teaching us. God, for not assuming that we would automatically know, but that you would teach us how to love one another. Oh, thank you that you've poured it out, that you've lived it, that you've shown us, God. Uh, And so, Lord, in this moment, allow this to become real to us. Allow it not to just be words on a page, but teach us, God, to be able to embrace your holiness, to be able to embrace your way above our own. So thank you. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for loving us. Bless us to be able to let others go today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Uh, As I mentioned in the prayer, we're going to talk about forgiveness today. Uh, And as we've been delving into Matthew chapter 18, we've talked a lot about conflict. We've talked a lot about how we uh, resolve particular issues. Last week, we began to talk about um, uh, the steps that come along with resolution, such as, first, go to your brother or sister and tell them exactly what they did to offend you or to hurt you and if they don't repent then you come back again with someone two or three more to be able to make reconciliation to be able to be a part of that moment and from there if they still don't repent, if they still don't turn away, then we bring it to the whole of the congregation. Not that the congregation would then be uh, gossiping or telling their story, but uh, telling their story, but so that we collectively would be able to pray, that we collectively would beseech our brother and sister to be able to do what is right. God calls us to these things so that we might preserve the unity of the church, so that we might preserve the glory that comes along with holding together when all things say we should pull apart. That is the beauty of the hand of God. How are we uniquely gifted to do so? There was a a tragic situation, a tragic moment, and and also even an inflammatory inflammatory moment, I would say, in our country's history in 2018, uh, there was a uh, police officer in Dallas who on her off-duty when she got uh, where she thought was her home, uh, she killed a man. Uh, She killed a man in that home. Uh, Her name was Amber Geiger, his name was Botham Jean. And what we saw as a country was just this division that happens among people when they feel like I have to choose sides, I'm on one side or the other. But what we saw later on after she was convicted and and she was being sentenced, Botham Jean's brother uh, stood up in the sentencing hearing and he began to share with her his hope, that his hope was to see her come to know Christ that she would be able to, he gifted her a Bible and he said, I encourage you to read through this, that you would be able to see the God who made my brother, but is also, uh, he'll also made you and through this, I hope that you see the forgiveness that comes and he offered her his forgiveness for taking the life of his brother. And the whole courtroom is in tears, the judge and and him and her and, and honestly just watching it, it's one of those things where I question whether I would have been able to do something similarly. But what I recognize is that that is the hallmark of what it means to be a Christian, of what it means to be a follower of Christ, that in those tough, tense moments, in those times where the world tells you you have every right to be angry, every right to be vindictive, you choose not to be. You choose to be one who forgives. You choose to be one who is, is able to make peace In the midst of a situation, the whole country is watching these moments and waiting for an opportunity to burst into flames, but yet he comes in and he puts water on the fire instead of gasoline. I think that's one of the special things about being a Christian, that God's family forgives as they have been forgiven, as we have been forgiven. We have a unique perspective that consistently we deal with the fact that We are not deserving of God's mercy, but yet he gave it. And if he was willing to do those things, what should we do? How should we respond? In this cancel culture that we have found ourselves in, where if you don't think or do the things that I think you should do or believe the way that I believe you should believe, I can just shut you off i don't have to pay attention to you we we don't follow them anymore we don't listen to them anymore why because they said something i don't like maybe they even said something out of turn or out of step and just continued on with it oh we don't listen to them anymore we don't like them why why is that why are create why are we creating that division Some of us lean into that whole idea of cutting people off because it helps allow us to be protected. Or we assume it allows us this self-protection. That I don't have to deal with the foolishness anymore. I don't have to deal with their craziness, their attitude anymore. Well, If I just stop talking to them, if I just stop uh, hanging around where they hang around, if I just, you know what, I'm, I'm done with them, that offers me protection and I won't have to deal with this stuff anymore. On the surface level, that might seem right, but that never pans out. Offense, when offense is there, it always remains until it's resolved, until there is forgiveness, until there is peace brought back to it. And so last week, as we walked through those steps in in Matthew chapter 18, And Jesus Jesus is laying out those steps as to how to create reconciliation, how to restore an offended brother. As Jesus is doing those things, Peter comes behind it, and he asks this wonderful question. How many times should we forgive? How many times should we do that, Jesus? I know you're telling us that we should go and, and make reconciliation with our brother or our sister. How many times should I do that? Well, part of it is that, is that Peter, as a Hebrew boy, recognizes that, well, on, uh, I'm expected to at least do it three times. And Amos would tell us, the book of Amos would tell us, that three times, but not a fourth. And so he's being super spiritual here, and he asks Jesus, he says, well, how many times should we forgive? Seven? Seven times? And Jesus pushes him a little bit further. I'm going to venture to say that today, Jesus is going to push you a little bit further, than you feel comfortable. He's going to push you to a place to where you are asking yourself, do I really want to forgive them? Do I really want to let that person who harmed me, who hurt me, who, who did me so wrong, do I really want to let them go? To let that sin, that debt go? I would venture to say, yes, yes, and yes, you should. I want us to look into uh, Matthew chapter 18 and we're gonna begin reading in verse number 21. We're gonna read why forgiveness is necessary. Why is forgiveness necessary? It's, It's necessary because we have been forgiven much. How much have you been forgiven? Verse number 21, it says, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. Now, in response to Peter's real question of how many times should I forgive, Jesus extends him further and says 70 times 7, even more than you could have ever imagined. I would figure that if you were actually one of those uh, accountant-type litigious people who were checking things off, look, I'm at 68. He doesn't have much further to go. 69. All right, and we're getting close to 77. Maybe you'd probably forget by the time you got to 77 what number you were on because what Jesus is saying is perpetually. What Jesus is saying is Be consistent in your forgiveness towards others. They may wrong you today and tomorrow and the day after that, but be willing to forgive consistently. And he does it so much, he says it so much that he wants to illustrate this point so that you can get to the heart of it. And he gives this parable where he's able to really strike at the heart of things. And in this parable, he says there's a master who is owed a great debt. And what this great debt uh, works out to is somewhere around 60 million denarii, and where a denarii would be a, your day's wages. So imagine that you owe somebody 60 million days' wages. Could you ever pay that? Could you ever get to that point? Jesus is saying he, he's, he's taking this parable moment to illustrate that there is someone who is owed a debt that no one could ever pay this master in this thing, all the people around, no one's able to pay this debt. It's almost similar to if you and I are trying to tell a story and we're trying to say how many flowers were in the field or how many clouds were in the sky, how many grains of sand were on the beach. And we'd say something to the effect of there were a zillion grains of sand on the beach. You don't expect there to actually be someone counting up to a zillion, and at a zillion and one, you've, you're done. No, you know when I'm saying a zillion, it's, it's, a, it's a large number. And so when Jesus is telling this story, and he says he owes him all of this money, what Jesus is, is, is illustrating is that there was no way this man was ever going to pay it, even though he comes behind it and says, Please have mercy on me. I am going to pay it. He really wants to, but he has no capability of paying it. You and I live in this world where we are constantly waging this fight within ourselves to earn righteousness. Well, if I just do enough good, well, if I just do the right things, then God will love me. Then God will accept me. Then God will allow me to come in. There is nothing that you and I can do to earn our salvation. And this is what Jesus is saying right here. There is no amount of days, no amount of works that this man could have done to ever pay off this debt. And since he was owed such a great debt, he should have or since he owed such a great debt, he should have such a great feeling of freedom when he is forgiven that debt. You and I have been forgiven a debt that we could never have paid. The wages of sin is death. I have this shirt that I wear. It's a Farmer Jack shirt, and some of you guys have seen me in it, and uh, it's the old Farmer Jack logo. Um, For those of you who are new to Detroit or just didn't pay attention to it, Farmer Jack was a grocery store uh, that used to be around here. Kroger bought them out probably early 2000s, and so they're gone. But my sister bought me that shirt, and so it has that sentimental value to it, Uh, but it also carries a certain amount of value in reminding me of who I was. The reason why um, is because that is the first time that I can recall a moment in my life where I chose to sin. I was about five or six years old, and I was standing in the checkout lane, and my mom is, is paying for the groceries and everything, and I see a pack of issues, great Bubblicious. And I decided that I wanted it. And I knew my mom wouldn't buy it for me, and so I picked it up, I took it, and I put it in my pocket. I got away with it, and I probably stole several things in the years after uh, because I got away with it, but that's the first time that I can recall willfully sinning, and if I was about five or six years old, the first time I can recall willfully sinning, was that the last time I sinned? It wasn't the last time I sinned, and so here I am three and a half decades later. How much sin have I accumulated? How much brokenness have I accumulated towards God where I have disobeyed what I know that he has told me what is right? See, this is what Jesus is getting at. The amount of sin that you accumulate over time, like a lot of us, we put our big sins up there, the stuff that we've done when we were adults, the stuff that we've done that have impacted other people vividly and things like that. But what about the packs of chewing gum? What about the little things? Are those still offensive towards God? And did Jesus end up on the cross because of those things too? He did. So there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of sins that I owe a debt of gratitude towards the Lord because he forgave me so much. Did he forgive me of the big ones? Yes. Did he forgive me of the small ones? Yes. And because I have been forgiven much, then what? Because I have forgiven much, how can I walk away from a moment like this and say, oh, seven times I'll forgive somebody? What if Jesus, what if God said that to me? Hey, you're on number six. Be careful. But he continues to forgive. He continues to show his grace and his mercy. Galatians says it like this. Galatians chapter 2, verse 13 says, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh God made alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands this is set aside uh, this he set aside nailing it to the cross now, what's interesting is that Jesus is using this terminology, and I think it translates throughout all of, of, of history when we understand debt. When we understand whether it's student loan debt, house debt, car debt, whatever it is, the word debt comes with this weight that is on you. It comes with a heaviness. And when you owe the master this great debt, how heavy a weight it is on you, and it changes the trajectory of your life. If you think about the debts that you owe right now, what are you doing? You're making decisions based on, I need to make sure that I can manage this debt. So what job you you work, where you live, how you're able to live, all of those things are influenced by the debt that you carry. And that same thing happens with your relationship with God. All of your relationships are influenced by the debt that you carry in forgiveness and unforgiveness. That if you live this life as if Christ has not died on the cross and paid the debt that you owe, then how will you be towards other people? Lord, forgive me for all of my sins. Forgive me for all of the things that I've done. I've already forgiven you walk in freedom. I've already forgiven you walk as if there is no debt anymore. I hold no debt over you. Walk in that freedom, walk in the joy that comes with that. It's as if you got a letter from your mortgage company or from your student loan debt holder or whoever else. And it said, we have cleared your student debt. And you said, you know what? I'm just going to keep making payments. It doesn't make sense. Your debt has been cleared, but you're not walking in that. That if the forgiveness of God has come, then walk in the freedom that comes in that. Don't let your past be the weight that bears you down, but walk in the joy and the goodness that comes with God. And one of the tough things is that when you have that weight for, for so long, when you have that weight on you for so long, it becomes a part of who you are. It becomes a part of your decision-making and how you think. And we see that played out. As Jesus is still illustrating here, he brings in very human characteristics into this servant's life. And we see, we continue on in verse number 28. It says. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and seized him and began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to the master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not have you had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you If you do not forgive your brother from your heart, why do we forgive? Because forgiveness is the way of the kingdom. This is how we are supposed to be. This man comes out of a moment. Where he is forgiven so much, the weight has been taken off of him. I want you to think about the weight of chains and and each dollar being an additional weight added to those chains. And he walks out of his master's court with all of those chains removed from him. He feels this freedom that I don't have to owe this great debt anymore. And because I don't owe this great debt anymore, I can live differently. I have a different perspective. I think even of the, the whole thought of when he leaves this place, he goes and he finds the one who owes him about 40 days worth of, of, of uh, about four months, I'm sorry, four months worth of wages. When he says he owes him this amount, he goes and finds this thing. It's, it's not even a ton. It's not even a lot. It's significant. I'm not going to say that. It's not insignificant. It is significant, and he owes them th- owes him this, he goes and finds this person and when he does it he does what he gets violent with him and he says give me what you owe me now part of that is the fact that he does not need to take what, what he's owed these 4 months worth of wages and then immediately transfer it over to the master now it's his it's his and he has this completely violent reaction to the fact that i want mine I want what's right for me. When he was bound to his master, it would have been his master's debt to be paid. But now it's him, and I want what's right for me. I want restitution for me. I want something where I can move forward. He has this whole human mindset, and Jesus builds this into it. So much so, again, he gets violent and chokes him over this little amount. What if the master, wouldn't the master have much more right to do that? But he even restrains himself. He even shows grace. He even shows mercy. But in his humanity, this man chokes him out and then takes him to jail. And when he takes him to jail, the others who saw that he was forgiven are like, what's going on here? He was forgiven so much. How could he act like this? Man, this is one of those things where it's like, what is the hallmark of a Christian? The hallmark of a Christian is that we forgive people. People will know us by our untraditional acts one towards another. That does he have every right? Do, these people, do we live in a culture? Do they live in a culture where he didn't have to forgive him, where he could throw him into jail? Absolutely. He was well within his legal rights to put him in prison but so was the other master. And it's to say, what do you expect of Christians? What do you expect of those who believe in Christ? If you are one who believes in the the, the redemptive work on the cross, the resurrection out of the grave, if you believe in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, if you are that kind of a person, then you should be willing to forgive. It doesn't matter what they did to you. I know it seems like there should be qualifiers Oh, but they physically harmed me. Well, they physically beat my Savior. But they called me out of my name. Oh, they called him the worst names you could possibly consider. They did him so wrong. And they did it because of me. Because I wanted some great bubble issues. That's why he went to the cross. I know it sounds foolish, but that's the sin that he went to the cross for every single one and if he was willing to go through that and hang upon that cross and utter the words father forgive them for they know not what they do who am i who am i that i might go out and hold a grudge over somebody else for something that they've said or done or didn't do against me oh, he has given me so much. He has poured it out lavishly upon me, grace and mercy over and over and over again, so much so that every time we come into this place and we lift up our hands, I say, Lord, how can I withhold from you a single word? Oh, here is all of my worship. Here is all of my praise. God, here is my life. And though I look at it and say, it's so broken, he still says, I want it. He still wants us. And if he values us in our brokenness, he values your neighbor in their brokenness. And everything that he did for you, laying down his life for you, he did laying down his life for them. And so, what does he require of us, husbands and wives? What does he require of us, parents and children? What does he require of us, neighbors? What does he require of us, church members? He requires that we respond with forgiveness. So, As we look at each other, let us look at each other as Christ has looked at us. Forgiveness is the way of the kingdom. I want us to take a deep look at ourselves because in verse 35, it really rattles to the core. This is the God that we serve. This is the loving God that we sing songs to. This is the God that we see pictures of and there's so much compassion and so much love. This is the God that says, I wish that none would be lost. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. If we want that Jesus, if we want that God, and we also have to take this, God, because it's the same. It's, 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 not a, it's not a question of whether we should or whether we shouldn't. He says do it, so we should. But he gives us a particular qualifier in that he says it with your heart. So this is not, oh, your little brother has hurt you and he has to come and apologize because mom and dad said you need to go apologize. And they go and apologize and say, I'm sorry. And you say, I forgive you. It's not that. He says it's forgiveness from your heart. Do you really believe it? It's the same type of terminology that's used when we talk about salvation. Confession is made with the the mouth and the heart. Beliefs. Do you really forgive within your heart with the essence of your being? Have you let them go? Or are you still saying, I'll forgive you, but I'm never going to forget what happened. I'll forgive you, but this relationship is over. See, in everything that we do, we also hold this thing in the back of our mind. For the good things, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, well, I'm starting off on a new job. Well, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, I'm going back to school. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Starting a new business. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But when it comes to forgiveness, I just don't see the spirit moving that way. (laughs) God hasn't really spoken to me in that way. Uh, If he does, then I'll, you know, I'll make forgiveness. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I can forgive the worst offender. I can forgive someone who killed my brother because Christ is strengthening me. I can forgive those who have done the worst to me because of Christ. Because number one, he has already given me the example. He has shown me. But He also allows us to walk in the freedom that comes in that. That if Christ has forgiven me and he has strengthened me to be able to forgive others, then he will also make good come from that forgiveness he will make good come from whatever that situation is would you have found yourself at the foot of the cross if it wasn't for the brokenness that was in your life if it wasn't for those who tried to harm you those who talked about you those who left you out those who put a wall up in front of you those who harmed you where you had only to depend on god would you have found yourself where you are So it's almost like Joseph, where Joseph says, what you meant for evil, God has meant for good. He's telling his brothers, he's telling us, that even though people do horrible things, people hurt us, God's forgiveness still lands us exactly where we need to be. It puts us in a special place because we are with him. So my encouragement to you today is that you find yourself with God by forgiving others for me those years of struggling to forgive my father that even past his death i'm still holding on to unforgiveness i can't understand why he would i prayed my god i don't want to hold this any longer there's nothing i can do with it i can't get an answer i can't get a i'm sorry from him how do i move past this and in the prayer, Lord, the Lord helped me to see his humanity. Help me to see his brokenness. Help me to see that he was just like me. And he was deserving of forgiveness, or he needed forgiveness just the same way I needed forgiveness. And God poured it out to him just like he poured it out to me. Who am I to put him back in prison? I pray today that if there's someone who you're holding unforgiveness against that you would just lift it up to the Lord and say, God, I am willing to forgive so-and-so. I'm willing to find a way, God, that you would be glorified in even the hurt and the harm that they've caused towards me. You be glorified in the reconciliation. You be glorified in the restitution. You be glorified in these things. I'm willing to put it in your hands. I know it's a tough thing that I'm asking of you. But it's the biblical thing that I'm asking of you. That you would follow the Lord in this way. So I said we take a, take a few minutes. That you would bow your heads and that you would begin to pray yourself. But there are some of you also, as we pray, that you need to accept that forgiveness that God has given. There are some of you who will beat yourself up time and time again because of sins of your past that the cross has already paid for. And in doing so, Paul says, you crucify Christ afresh. Say, Why? Walk in the forgiveness that God has granted you. So as we pray, walk in the forgiveness that God has granted you, but also forgive those who you're holding in the prison of unforgiveness. Let the Lord walk it out. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you because your word says that in all things that we should give thanks. And so thank you, God that you have brought us together, that you have made us a people who who desire you. In our frailties, God, we have found that your strength is what we need. And so, Lord, in this moment, we need you to be strong where we are weak. Lord, as you have shown us what it means to forgive those who have beaten you and abused you, who have caused you to bleed, who have caused you to suffer, who have caused you to be defamed, you have still forgiven us. And so, Lord, allow us to gaze at you. Allow us to look at the forgiveness and the mercy that you have offered us before we look at the hurt and the infidelity and the brokenness that we have received from others. And if you, being the great God on the throne, can love us enough to forgive us for those things, Father, let us be loving enough to free our brothers and sisters. But I pray also, Lord, for those who are unwilling or they feel like they've done too much to really walk in the forgiveness that comes in you. Lord, I pray that they would see your grace as sufficient, that they would see your mercy poured out upon them, and that they would be able to walk in the freedom that comes in you, that we don't have to do any works to be saved, but that we trust in you. And so, Lord, every day, let them call after you. Lord, thank you for this and this opportunity to be forgiven. Thank you for your mercy. Bless us in Jesus' name.